This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Welcome to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Visit joy.org.au to find out more about our Joycasts. This is A Little Pot of Joy, the podcast program. Welcome, this is A Little Pot of Joy, the podcast show with Andrea and our very, very special guest, Alice. And our community is made up of so many amazing and diverse groups of people as are the programs that are on Joy 94.9. There is something for everybody. A Little Pot of Joy is where we highlight just some of these amazing programs. And we have a really special guest, Alice. And Alice is a volunteer here and she works on the front desk on Monday mornings. Mm, Hi, Andrea. Thanks for having me on the show. Oh, it's really nice to have you. Are you only volunteering on the front desk in admin duties or do you do anything else here? Well here at Joy I've just gotten started on the admin desk so I'm mostly holding down the fort there on a Monday morning for the brekkie bears which has been lovely. (laughs) Oh they're amazing aren't they? Mm, They're great guys. And have you thought about uh, moving into any other roles? Well again because I've just got it started I was only thinking about doing admin but it's so exciting whenever I come into Joy (laughs) there's someone doing everything so I don't know as I if I stick around which I think I will. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to get involved in other things. It really is a very friendly place and once you're in the door, it's very hard to leave. Yeah, it seems that way. <laughs> you're also volunteering for Switchboard. That's right. Well, I've just gotten involved. I don't know if you've heard, Andrea, but they've just gotten funding. Switchboard's had funding for a new home visiting program for older members of the queer community. Yeah, I actually did an interview the other week with Switchboard with Out and About program. That's the one. Amazing. Yes, Out and About. So they're just getting off the ground now, but but I'm going to their training, which is this weekend, and I'm incredibly excited. It's going to be a great program. Oh, that's fantastic. I mean, it's a really wonderful program, and it's going to be a huge benefit to the whole community. Yeah, absolutely. So are there any other things on the horizon for you? Oh. <laughs> I'm afraid I'm I'm living a pretty boring life at the moment, so joy is definitely a highlight of my week. <laughs> Okay, well, our first podcast is uh, from the Queer Community News Network, QNN. QNN is produced and podcast by Jacob Holman, presented by Jacob, Matthew, Tanya and Adam. And QNN is news and information for the lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans and intersex communities of Australia and worldwide. And QNN is broadcast nationally via the Community Radio Network. So if you missed the QNN highlights, the podcasts are available for download from the JOY website, www.joy.org.au forward slash QNN or download them from the iTunes store. This is A Little Pot of Joy, the podcast program. Now, right across Australia on the Community Radio Network, this is QNN, a look back at the events of the week in news and sport, important to gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender and intersex communities. QNN. QNN. Hello and welcome to QNN. I'm Jacob Holman. And I'm Adam Samuel. Are you a woman? Um... Yes, for all intents and purposes, I am a woman. My heart and my soul and everything that I do in life, it is part of me. That female side is part of me. That's who I am. That's Bruce Jenner speaking with Diane Sawyer last weekend for the ABC Network. 16.9 million viewers in the States tuned into the two-hour special featuring the Olympic gold medalist and step-parent to the Kardashian clan. Jenner, who still prefers male pronouns, has been the subject of scrutiny and speculation for years over his perceived 
achieve gender transition. I look at women all the time thinking, oh my God, how lucky are they that they can wake up in the morning and be themselves. What I'm doing is going to do some good and we're going to change the world. I really firmly believe that, that we're going to make a difference in the world with what we're doing. Among those applauding Jenner were his family. Kylie Jenner called her dad a hero. Kourtney Kardashian said she was honoured to stand by him. But not everybody appeared to be on board. For more, here's Tanya Lewis. After Bruce Jenner's tell-all interview, former son-in-law Chris Humphreys tweeted that he was glad he got out when he did with the hashtag gotta do you. The NBA star and former husband of Kim Kardashian then tweeted 11 hours later later that he would always support the former Olympian and apologise for how his original tweet came across with the hashtag fully support Bruce. The Labor Party is headed for a showdown over gay marriage at its national conference in July as a campaign to make it binding party policy gains momentum. Senior party figures including Tanya Plibersek, Penny Wong and ALP President Jenny McAllister are saying it's time for the conscience vote to go. Some of the party are urging caution however. This is opposition health spokesman Catherine King speaking to the ABC. I think it is an area to me that does seem a bit odd. It's a bit of an anomaly that there is a conscience vote on this issue. Uh, but undoubtedly if, uh, if, if, if you were to lock all MPs in, some sure. would, would simply walk across the floor. They I, just I think, couldn't yeah, tolerate I, that I think that, that, that's understood. But the Deputy Opposition Leader Tanya Plibersek says it's time to revisit the decision at the last conference in 2011. Members voted to support marriage equality but with a caveat. MPs aren't bound to vote on party lines. In our national platform Uh, Issues like abortion and euthanasia that people consider to be issues of life or death allow a conscience vote. This is not that type of issue. When presented with the question, do we support legal discrimination or do we not, I think the answer has to be we don't. An American high school student has taken a giant leap for the rainbow community by asking his gay best friend to the prom. Las Vegas teenager Jacob Leschensky asked his best friend Anthony Martinez to the prom after seeing a tweet from the gay teen hoping to find a date. Equal rights campaigners from around the world sent messages of support to Lencheski for his stand on equality. A bakery in Oregon who refused to sell a wedding cake to a lesbian couple have been ordered to pay damages of up to $135,000. Rachel Bowman-Cryer complained to the Oregon Bureau of Labor and Industries in January 2013 after co-owner of Sweet Cakes refused to provide a cake for her lesbian wedding. Under Oregon law, it's illegal for businesses to discriminate based on sexual orientation. And briefly now, Northern Ireland's Health Minister Jim Wells has handed in his resignation after saying that children are more likely to be abused if they're raised by same-sex parents. Rapid at-home HIV test kits are now available in the UK after the British Parliament relaxed restrictions earlier this month. And now for QNN Sport with Tanya Lewis. The Western Bulldogs fan who made a homophobic slur against a Richmond player last week has apologised and has been reprimanded by the club. The cheer squad member showed genuine remorse for the comment and will not have his membership revoked. Bulldogs president Peter Gordon says the club's code of behaviour is designed to educate and create an environment of tolerance. And that's QNN for another week. I'm Adam Samuel. And I'm Jacob Holman. Thanks to a dedicated team of volunteers, that was QNN. QNN is produced at Joy 94.9, Australia's only radio station dedicated to providing informing, uplifting and empowering content for the diverse gay and lesbian communities. QNN is funded by the Community Broadcasting Foundation and heard nationally each week on the Community Radio Network. Follow QNN on Twitter at QNN Australia. Joy 94.9.
And you're back with Andrea and Alice in the studio. So oh. what we've got coming up next is from The Woods. It's the episode Bears vs. Transpositions, which aired on the 23rd of April 2015. Now on the episode, Papa Mark and Curious Dean are joined by Kurt and Michelle from Transpositions to exchange ideas and etymology. And that'll be about labelling and derogatory terms, Michelle's bear story, Kurt's lesbian story, <laughs> and private space. If you can't listen to the show live, just download the podcast from the Joy website, www.joy.org.au or from the iTunes store. And this is Big Bear Mark and uh, hello, Dean. Hey, Mark. How you doing? Very curious, Dean. Big. And may as well get straight into it because we've got in the studio two of my uh, favourite people at Joy, I have to say, because I love them both. Um, they host a show on Tuesday nights at nine o'clock called Transposition. Mm-hmm. Well, we've got two thirds to the team in tonight. Uh, we've got Michelle and Kurt. Good, Welcome to the woods. Hi. Hello. <laughs> Thanks for inviting us into the woods. Oh, look, log cabin in the woods, yes. Definitely. Yeah, I've been looking forward to... I've actually said to Michelle uh, ages ago, it was like months and months ago, oh, you have to come on to the show. Oh, definitely. I, think, I think when we did this, it was in July and I, I was just going through transition and just gone full time and, and, and what do you know what next thing I'm, I'm actually at Joy on a show <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly it's like you you said oh that sounds interesting and next thing I know oh you're just wandering around the studio and like, <laughs> she's running okay, the place running the place exactly <laughs> so if you haven't guessed the show is about trans men and trans women one of my things is I don't like putting labels on people necessarily so how do you guys feel about that label of trans men or trans women you know, to me, and I was speaking about this to Dean earlier, we're men and then we're gay. It's like it's not a thing. But do you find that in your life you get categorised? A, a little bit, yeah. I, I think for me as an F to M, when I'm sort of in a community that's not quite homosexual aware or LGBTI educated, I do like to just be a bloke and just blend in. But if I am with the queer community, I like to say that I am trans because that's my connection to them. Whereas I used to identify as lesbian when I was female presenting and and that was my in with the gay Mm. community and now I don't want them to think that I'm just a a straighty you know sort of a fag (laughs) hag I don't know if you'd call it that if I'm a dude but you know just a a straighty wanting to be a a gay person kind of on the edges you know trying to get in but uh, so I like to out myself as trans and and to to let them know that I'm sort of part of the community. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. I, yeah. Th- that's an interesting way of looking at. It. What about you, Michelle? What do you? How um, do you feel about the label trans? For me, it's it's probably a little different because see, for the trans men, men can the men really look. You look like a dude. There's. I told you before. I told you at dinner. There's. You can't really tell with the men usually. Yeah. With us, um, I'm six three. I'm an ex bear. And and so for me, I don't like, so I'm going to stand out. So being a trans woman, I'm going to basically, you see me walk down the street, you're going to know that I'm, I'm trans, but I like the term trans woman. I, I identify as a woman. I am a woman in my mind and my heart and I don't see anything else. I don't like transsexual. I don't like shemale. I don't, I'm sometimes, you know, transgender is an over umbrella. I really do just, I like trans woman. I feel strong. It's a, I think it's a strong title. Okay, I won't feel self-conscious about using those terms anymore. Good, <laughs> good, good. But we just so uh, just so getting the acronyms right. So F to M, F to M, yeah, female to male, and M to F, M to F, male to female, mm. and so trans woman, trans man. Okay, can I ask a 
you can ask. Uh, it's uh, after okay, nine okay. o'clock. You can Anything. ask whatever you want. I feel a bit awkward. But Go for it. Tranny, is that an okay or not okay? Well, it feels like it should be a not okay. <laughs> I think it's a bit like the N word for um, yeah for African Americans, right. and, and so you're not supposed to say it. Because I okay. felt uncomfortable even saying right, it. Right, right. Yeah. So it's yeah. it's basically yes. It, tranny is like basically saying nigger. It's just it's just how it is, and that's how confronting. Mm. Just saying that word, yeah. I saw everyone go. Oh, okay, don't say that. <laughs> so the official word here is we're supposed to say no. But look, I know you deal with Kurt and I. We're we're a bit more fluent with it, and we just don't care. Yeah, look, it, it it's one of those things where I, the transgender uh, community really comes down to person by person. Mm-hmm. Some people are quite completely comfortable with it, like me and Michelle, but you might get someone who really takes offense to it because it might trigger them, you know, being abused mm. by that word. Or, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because it, it can be used in a in a, a negative a negative way, but it can also be used in a fun way, just like gay guys can call each other a bunch of fags and, yeah, it, and it's yeah. fine, you know. Yeah. yeah. But it's like um, RuPaul got in trouble for using the term shemale. Mm. And, I mean, I have to say that I met, Michelle on the set of Transmissions, the Bent TV show, and I learned a whole lot in that series. Mm. And I feel really, if I, I actually have heard some people use the word tranny, and I always stop them mm. and I say mm-hmm. it's not, not acceptable. On. And it's, I suppose it's like mm. if I called, if one of my friends called me a faggot and they were gay, I'd go, oh, okay. But <laughs> if a straight person called me a faggot, then I'd be going, whoa, that's not on. Exactly. So I feel that it's like the N word. Yeah. If you want to use it, Michelle. I feel that's fine. If, exactly. You know, but I don't feel it's acceptable for anyone else to use it. Exactly. Oh, okay. We got that. <laughs> we got that out of the way. It's, it's hilarious. Like, and this is some of the things yeah. that we really try to work on in transpositions. My biggest worry is the way that as trans people, we really respond negatively. And so like, if I'm checking out at target and I go to buy a dress or something like that, and someone says to me, Oh, here you go, sir. Or whatever. I'm, I'm like, Okay, look, and I'm I'm trans. I get it. No big deal. You know, and then they see my maybe see my name, and they'll publicly apologize or whatever. Mm-hmm. But what happens is, is the majority of our community will immediately go, "Damn it, my name is this, and I'm I'm a that." And I'm like, "Whoa!" Like, and so that we push we push people away. Yeah, and that's what Kurt and I really try to focus on is we want to bring people back in and say, "Look, it's cool. Just relax. You know, we don't, I don't want to see tension in the room mm. like this." So the label's not any. Def- potentially define you as an individual they also distance me as someone who wants to relate to you exactly mm. which exactly. i think is a bit sad like i'd rather just chat to you i don't care what the yeah what exactly the pronoun exactly. Is or the, yep. exactly. The word before yeah mm. and uh, when when i was researching for this show there's a whole lot of lists on the internet about what not to say to a trans person and i mean some of them are just ridiculous i mean the one at the top of the list is oh have you had the operation now that has to be really offensive have you actually had people say that to you yeah, oh, yeah. Really? you're kidding yeah. no way yeah no i can't believe that people <laughs> would say that to you yeah so when are you having it are you having it you're having it so when are you having it but why wouldn't you have it so you're dating men now right oh my god seriously yeah so i mean like the you- only people that i would even think that you would have that conversation with is probably a partner or a potential partner or something like that. Mm. So you're nodding your head. Yeah, I agree. I think if you're going to sleep with them, then go for it. You you know, the the person needs to know. But if, if you know, you're not going to jump in the bedroom with them, then it's none of their business, really. I remember when I was coming out as transgender, that was what the first thing that people were asking me was, are you going to have a penis? You know, and it's sort of like... (laughs) 
<laughs> well, hang on, you know, there's all these other things first, you know, surgery yeah. is sort of one of the last things I'm thinking about right now. So, yeah, people just get really curious and yeah, you know, and that's it's it. interesting. So, well, while we're on the subject, what's what would be some of the more offensive things that people have asked you? I think the things I've learned, I'm very open. So, all of my old Facebook uses still seem same Facebook profile. I I just my transition you see it through all of facebook so i i wanted to share my journey with everyone to mm. show them exactly what i'm going through mm. i in a way threw myself under the bus so that people could i guess some in some ways take the attention off of those who are still coming through so people get an understanding of what i'm going through and they'll say oh you're going through that too okay no worries but my big thing lately is is if you see my old name on facebook mm. it doesn't bother me but if you're having a conversation with me say at my new job I'm open about everything. I'll show you photos of myself before. Mm-hmm. I'll have a conversation. But I've had people go and say to me, oh, what was your name before? And I go, mm, no, I won't do that. Because once I say my old name, then you put another gender. Yes. You all of a sudden start associating me with that. And then you'll start calling me he. You'll start uh-huh. looking at me as, and it's happened. Yes. I've actually seen it happen. That's one of the things I actually... Back so it's on. like you're establishing a new frame, and this is the frame within which you want to be um, mm. addressed and responded yeah. to, and, and live your life. I don't care if you ever saw me as a bear with a big goatee and a hairy chest, and whatever. so you is that so you were a big hairy man. Yeah, I ah. was a big because you're not now. <laughs> no, no, not not quite. <laughs> <laughs> not quite. <laughs> not quite at all. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, uh, look, okay. I'm trying to struggle to think of any um, weird questions I've been asked. I think. Sometimes, you know, people uh, think they're complimenting you by saying, oh, I could never tell that, you know, um, you used to be a girl, but, you know, I'd say female presenting, but some people, you know, like to say yeah. used to be a girl, but in my in my brain, I've always been male. Um, it's just my body that's changed. Um, and, and, you know, some people try to be complimenting, but it does turn into a bit of an insult because mm-hmm. they're sort of pointing out your transness whereas as a trans person we just want to be you know we just want to blend in we just want to exist exist yeah yeah Yeah. and look i mean one of the things i have said to you kurt is that i met you when we were doing the woods on mondays at 11 (laughs) p.m and you were doing nothing is sacred at 10 p.m and i had no idea that you were trans and it only came to me that we had gone to La Trobe University for an outside broadcast and you were talking about trans issues and then it was like, hold it, what? And the penny dropped to me. And I told you that. And mm. it's like, w- did I offend you by doing that? Or, no, I, no I, I was actually um, quite positively surprised because I thought that you knew I was trans. No. And... Um, uh, you know, I, I quite, it was, yeah. It was, I just thought tickled. you were the cute Twinkie boy in the show before me. That's <laughs> all I thought. It was like, no idea, see, no idea. That's the problem. In our mind, we still see the old, our old selves. And so we're walking around, Kurt still sees the, the girl he used to be. And I walk around and I still see the bear that I used to be. And so, and so when you go around, you just assume everyone looks at you and says, mm. oh, they're trans. Mm. Mm. Yeah, exactly. It's not, not the case at all. And as you said, I mean... I met you, Michelle. We've talked about this before, but the very first day I met you, you were having what we called a bad day. <laughs> and you were, you, how would you put it? You were. During your first year of transition, you have these dysphoria issues. And you, you struggle between your, so your masculine and your feminine side. And it's, it's both trans men, trans women. And so for me, it was a day where I just, I was having facial hair 
issues. It was just was coming back. And, and I was like, my, I was, I was a mongrel. I was, I was, a, I was just a mixed critter walking around just with <laughs> <laughs> just having, you know, like face hair that had like nails on and like half of this was done. Half of that was done. My hair was like, it was just a mess. And yeah, it was, it was definitely a bad day. You're listening to A Little Pot of Joy with Andrea and Alice. Mm, and up next, we have from last week's Lefty Pinkos, hosted by Emma and Patrick, Anzac Day. This episode of Lefty Pinkos has a look at the Anzac legend. They discuss World War I and what it meant to Australia at the time. Emma and Patrick were joined by John Blacksland, who is a senior fellow at the Strategic and Defence Studies Centre at ANU and a military historian to help contextualise the Great War from a distance of 100 years. Mm. And if you just can't listen to the show live, download the podcast from the Joy website, joy.org.au or the iTunes store. This is A Little Pot of Joy, the podcast program. Hey, good evening to everybody. This is Lefty Pinkos on Joy 94.9. I'm joined tonight by Patrick. Hello, Emma. Lovely to be here, as always. It is nice to be here. As everyone's aware, last Saturday was Anzac Day. If you're not aware, you've been asleep for the weekend. I've been asleep for a long time beforehand, <laughs> too. too. True. <laughs> a day in the year when people acknowledge in some way those who've served in the various conflicts in our history. Every year, I must admit, I get a bit confused about the messages being delivered around Anzac Day, the Gallipoli campaign, and in modern times the importance that Gallipoli takes on as a place. It's the annual Australian and New Zealand invasion of the Gallipoli Peninsula that probably has a bit to do with that. I also wonder just how the respect and remembrance is translated into how we utilise our defence forces in conflicts and see to their welfare on their return. To help me in my confusion, I hope, we're joined tonight by John Blacksland from Canberra. Now, John, I hope you'll forgive me for this, um, but I took this from um, the internet, so it is correct, (laughs) as as we're aware. John's currently a senior fellow at the Strategic and Defence Studies Centre at ANU, who writes about military history, intelligence and security, and Asia-Pacific affairs. He holds a PhD in War Studies from the Royal Military College of Canada, an MA in History from the ANU, a BA from the University of New South Wales, and as a graduate of the Royal Thai Army Commanded Staff College. I'm sure there's more. <laughs> Amazing CV, and I hope it's correct, John. You got it right so far, Emma. Thank you. Thank yeah. you very much for joining us this evening. My pleasure. I'm going to start, and I'm not sure if it's just me, but there appear to be multiple elements to Anzac Day, such that when you get a call, call out an aspect of the day that isn't quite right in your mind, everyone else jumps on that criticism, although you've committed some sacrilegious act. Examples are, of these elements are the nation-building events um, that apparently started at Gallipoli. We didn't have a nation built before that, apparently. Remembering those who have fallen and served, and also perhaps the element that I don't see as much, but people have comment about, is the glorification of war. It's very interesting, you know, the whole idea of nation-building. Australia... We had a peaceful federation and, you know, in some respects we can blame the Brits from this because they learned from the experience of the American Revolutionary War. They realised that if they actually wanted their colonies to remain moderately loyal, they had to give them some concessions. And uh, 100 year, 90 years after the Revolutionary War, the War of Independence, um, Canada became a federation in 1867. 
uh, peacefully as well. And uh, a generation later, uh, Australia became a federation in 1901. But of course, as you know, uh, that was a fairly uneventful uh, event, if you like. You know, kind of nothing dramatic happened. There wasn't a storming of the Bastille. There wasn't a bombs bursting in air as you get in the US national anthem. There was no dramatic moment of pathos that people could identify as being the point at which Australia became Australia. Um, and I think the setting of Gallipoli, particularly in light of the kind of romantic education that uh, many people had about Greek tragedy, uh, about the ancient Greeks and, and the Turks and the battles that were written about by people like Herodotus and Thucydides that took place in the Aegean and around the Aegean Sea. Uh, there was a sense that maybe this was Australia's moment. Um, and certainly the journalists, uh, uh, the British journalists, the Australian journalists who wrote about it, particularly C.E.W. Bean, really, I think, picked up on that and just went with it. And there was a very receptive audience in Australia. There was an audience that really wanted to latch on to this moment of apparent greatness. Um, and so when the uh, cables came back with news of what was happening, even though uh, it was a tragedy on one level, there was a sense of glory uh, that... Uh, you know, when you're only reading the sanitised version from um, the newspapers weeks afterwards, sparked remarkable enthusiasm for what had happened. Um, and it wasn't until much later that people cottoned on to just how severe it was and how consequential it was. And then it took on a new meaning as this kind of moment, well, we've got to have a sense of meaning. It's got to have some meaning. People can't just die for nothing. You know, it's got to have some special meaning, doesn't it? Uh, and so I think we latched onto it uh, from that point of view. And so it really, you know, took on a nation-building character that there was a really, you know, even though people can say, oh, C.W. Ben concocted it, um, and others uh, did as well, the bottom line is that Australians really were very receptive to it. Uh, and so, yes, it was nation-building in a sense. It was myth mythology-building, if you like. Uh, and we all kind of lapped it up. That's how it was, you know. I can't help but you, you use the term glory and I can't help be to be reminded of um, the, the war poem by Wilfred Owen, Dulce est decorum est pro yes. patri mori, which mm. really, you know, what was it? It was, um, it is good... Good and noble to die, Sweet, yeah. to die for one's country, and it, exactly. I suppose that's um, that was latched on early during that time. And now there's um, there is obviously a reverence and a remembrance, but there's this sort of underlying current that you're starting to see where it is. It is good to die to die for one's country, especially in this scenario, and then creating this nation out of there, which I also think is kind of ridiculous because that's. Assuming that Australia, the Australian nation, has only ever been validated by the the colonists, the invaders of um, of white extraction, when we've had a lot of, and especially this was very good for Anzac Day this year round. I saw a lot of push for the indigenous soldiers and those who served whilst not even being recognised as humans, let alone citizens. 
Yeah, no, you're right. Mm. Um, no, it's a big issue. And it is. On, I don't think we as a nation have quite uh, resolved yet. That, that's a, there's sure. a lot of things in there. Sorry, I don't want to just drop that bomb on there, but there is a lot <laughs> There is a lot to go on there. But um, There is. It, it is quite interesting to look at that kind of, that underlying current sort of coming back. Um, Emma, you're... John, you talk, you talk about uh, the Australian public getting, getting um, this reasonably sanitised version... Did, did that further continue or or did it lapse a little bit after the war when when just the sheer scale of the tragedy of the Great War was beginning to be understood? Yeah, no, well, it, uh, when, when returned soldiers uh, were seen around the streets, when veterans came home, when wounded were sent home, uh, unable to be redeployed on uh, in battle... Um, people started to realise just how horrific it was when people came back without limbs, some people without parts of their face, some people just completely disfigured for life. Uh, there was a, People began to have a sense of how horrific it was. And when the cable came back of loved ones lost, have died in action, um, the grief began uh, and it would continue for at least a generation. But the grieving actually uh, took place probably as much, if not more, amongst the families of those who returned with what we then called shell shock, but which today we would call post-traumatic stress disorder, of which a large fraction committed suicide at some point or other after the war. Uh, Rick Throssel, the Victoria Cross winner, is a classic example, uh, you know, came back a hero and yet couldn't live with himself with the, the pictures in his mind that were just completely uh, unsettling to the point where he just couldn't cope anymore. And he's just one of many, uh, many thousands of Australians who returned unable to cope with the haunting memories of what they had been through uh, and then not being able to grapple with it because society didn't recognise it for what it was. Joy. You're listening to a little part of Joy on Joy 94.9 with Alice and Andrea. And up next we have Chatterbox with Brett and Andrew. Yes, this crazy gal from the Rise Up Ginny and Adam fame chats about growing up with a school teacher crush. V doesn't always mean victory and her homophobic aunties. You can't listen to the entire podcast? Well, download them from the website, www.joy.org.au forward slash chatterbox, or download it for free from the iTunes store. You're listening to A Little Pot of Joy, the podcast program. Good evening and welcome to Chatterbox. Good evening, my love. Good evening, my love. Our special guest tonight, which is the gorgeous Ginny Sarasvati from Rising Up. I know, you normally hear her on Wednesday mornings, very early in the morning. She's an absolute tutor with her and the fabulous... Adam. Adam. Now, Ginny, welcome <laughs> to Chatterbox. Huge Thank you. Thanks you for having me, guys. yourself on this show. So yeah. the- I'm clapping. <laughs> I clap myself a lot. A lot of people call me a chimp with symbols because oh. I, I clap Because I get excited quite easily. I mean, I have the mentality 
body of a four-year-old and I love Disney movies. I just clap consistently and people are like, oh, she's a monkey. He's got symbols. It's like, I just wind me up. Darling, it's unusual for you to be in the studio this late at night, isn't it? This is eating into my bedtime, because you do realise, yeah. Because I love you boys and coming. What time do you start normally? We get up at 4.15, 4.30 oh, in the morning God. and I go pick up Adzi and we go get our coffee. Then we, we come on, we plan for the show, then we're, then we're, then we're on air at 6.30. So uh, it's, you know, it's a it's on the other side of my clock yeah. to be on air at this time. But, my you know, God. I only come on for special shows like yourselves. That takes dedication. Now, how long have you been doing Rising Up? Uh, for a th- Actually, I was doing the calculations. Yeah. Rise Up, I've done, Adzi and I have been on air together for just under a year and a half. Oh, wow. But I've been at Joy now, nearly now. I'm thinking about nearly a third of my life, which wow. is a little bit like I was thinking about the other day. I'm like, no, Ginny, you can't have been at Joy that long. <laughs> no, I was, I've been at Joy since 2007, which is eight years. Wow. So, um, and I, you know, I've been in and out at Joy, like I've been doing other things and I've come back to Joy, but you know, Joy really is a home for me. And I think yep. we're very lucky as a community here in Melbourne to actually have an oh. LGBTIQ broadcaster because we're only one of three in the world and Absolutely. Melbourne is one of those cities. So. How did you get involved? Well, this is the thing. I was um, studying uh, cinema studies and uh, performing arts. Yep. I was a bit of an actress, a bit of a lesbian <laughs> before I became a lesbian. And, um, so I was you wo- put the third in the lesbian. <laughs> I did. Uh, I was working in theatre, so I was doing a bit of acting, stage acting. Yep. And then um, online, I was just Googling Joy because I started going out and seeing. I saw Joy on the cover of you know MCV, which I used yep. to hide under my blanket with a torch when I used to read it yep. uh, from my parents. I'm like, oh, let's just read MCV. But, um, and I saw Joy. I'm like, oh, what's this radio station? So I, I Googled it and it, there was a course back then. It was called the uh, the Certificate 3 in Radio Broadcasting. Yeah. And they were opening up positions. I'm like, well, you know, you're doing theatre. You're doing a bit of TV work and journalism. Let's just, let's just try radio. I remember at the time when I was filling out the application, I'm like, okay, I'm kind of borderline out, but I'm not completely yeah. out yet. What do I like tick? Because they asked, you know, how do you identify? So I ticked other. Yeah. And um, they asked, what did you want to do here at Joy? And I ticked every box like admin, cleaning, <laughs> volunteer, everything but on air because I did not want to get in front of the mic. Really? I was like, yeah. because when you're an actor, you know, you, you get to hide behind a character. Or you get yeah. to, you know, embody a character yeah. and gross yourself into their storyline. But yeah. when you're on air, elements of yourself come out. And I thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. wow, I've got to jump out of the closet if I have to. I'm not quite ready to do that. Yeah. But. Um, yep. You know, so when I, when I started the course, I kind of kind of settled into myself, and it was pretty cool. So, how long did it take you after doing the course to actually get on air? Get um, it was three months because I actually uh, Leany, the program director at the time, yep. was like, oh, "Okay, Ginny, you're going to do a graveyard shift." I'm like, "No." She says, "Yes, you are." I'm like, "No." She's like, "Yes, you are." <laughs> Too much personality. Then I'm like, "Oh God!" So I remember <laughs> the first shift I did was Monday night. It was a show called I Spy. I played the hottest hits of now. <laughs> I think back, I'm like, Ginny, you were so lame. <laughs> I had to. I love it though. I love it. <laughs> the hottest hits of now. And it, so I, I scripted the entire two hour show and I remember oh, reading it going, wow. you're on Joy 94. But now I can't be bothered scripting because who has time? <laughs> but you know, back then when you start, you script word for word and it's like, you, it's like, you know, a stage play. It's like a script. So you read it. And um, then Leany's like the next day, okay, you're going on daytime. I'm like, you know, I've just just dipped my toe into the airways. Yeah, yeah, I'll just take yeah. it. She goes, no, you're going daytime. So I was on afternoons and then they moved me to breakfast and I left a bit. Then I came back to breakfast, did drive stints here and there. Yeah. So, um, yeah, since then breakfast is kind of stuck. I mean, yes, it's not the most pleasant thing for your beauty sleep. I, no, it's yeah, true. I invest in a lot of eye masks yeah. and moisturizer. <laughs> I just, How did you and Adzi get together? Because you've got such a great on-air dynamic. <laughs> That's actually really amazing that you say that. So thank you for saying that firstly. Um, we were actually paired up by uh, SJ randomly. Really? Wow. Like, oh, you two would get along. And look, Adzi, look, he's my radio husband and yep. he is actually all- – 
I've had beautiful co-hosts before, but I think out of all of them, him and I have a very aligned vision as to where yeah. we both want to go individually yeah. and together. So yeah. it's very easy to work with him. And we're both very, we've gotten to a stage now because we've gotten to know each other off air as well. Yeah. We can be very honest with each other yeah. because we've both got the same goal. And yeah. sometimes when you have a co-host who doesn't have the same goal as you, it can be quite challenging oh, to yes. you know, get, get that kind of commitment from them. Brett's you know? lived that world. <laughs> You know what I mean, Brett? Like, because you probably are going one way, and when they're going another, it's hard Uh, to steer them back to your part. Now, Ginny, before we went to your first track, which was Rihanna, we were talking about the fact that you, born in Sri Lanka, moved over when you were two. Um, But this is the part of the show where we sort of go a little bit further forward, and you touched on it just before we went to Rihanna, which was your coming out story. So tell us a little bit about that. So my coming out story. Well, I remember going to primary school. Like, I grew up in in Fairfield. Fairfield was the first suburb we lived in. Yeah. And then we moved to Northcote. Now, Northcote's a big lesbian area. Just a bit. Just a bit. Let's just say girlfriend didn't know she was a lesbian when she was in Northcote. It's the motherland. It's the motherland, right? It's the mothership. (laughs) So when I moved from Northcote, I'm like, ah. In all all fairness, no one actually cottoned onto the village people that they were representing the gay community <laughs> until like the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> so all, it, it, yeah. all good? Okay, all good, all good. So when, uh, you know, when I left Northcote, you know, you may take the girl out of Northcote, but not the Northcote yep. out of the girl. Absolutely. So, you know how it is. So then um, I remember when I was going to school in Northcote at, at primary school, I, I remember feeling like there was something different about me. I yep. didn't know what it was, but I remember it was, I was like, I'm not like my family. There's something yep. slightly different about me for my family. And there's something different about me with my peers. They're all, there was this boy, I remember in school, his name was Gino. He was beautiful. Yep. All the girls were fussing over him. I'm like looking at my teacher like, oh, she's pretty. <laughs> like, I re- okay. I thought, okay, there, there's something going on here. Okay. So um, I remember, you know, that was kind of my first inkling to my sexuality. And yep. then I went to high school. Um, there was another teacher there. It was like so beautiful as well. She was French yep. music teacher, <gasps> sung like an angel. I'm like, well, you know, hello. That, yep. This is just a setup for, yeah, yeah. for uh, lesbianism right there. Ding so um, <laughs> that's when I started to realize, okay, this this is a bit more apparent. And then yeah. when I started, you know, telling my parents about, or my mum about it, she wasn't very, you know, happy about it. Because in Sri Lanka, even at this present day, yep. you get 20 years imprisonment for wow. any homosexual act, which is very sad. Yeah. And, you know, I'm thinking, yo, if I want to have a honeymoon there, probably going to get thrown in jail, probably yeah. won't go. It's it's actually quite sad because that is my motherland. That's yeah. where I was yeah. born. And the fact that the government's still there and, and still at that place, it, it does make me sad. But I think there are lots of lobbying groups there that are, that are working to push LGBT mm. rights. Um, and then I remember throughout high school when I was experiencing that rejection. And obviously, when you go to a girls' school, it can get a little bit catty yeah, yeah, about a, little a, bit. a Catholic girls' school too, yeah. because you know it's a big no-no. So you know there were rumors going around. I remember going to school thinking, oh, I don't want to go to school today because you know what if people talk about me? And then you know you kind of get really it's you kind of forced into situations where you feel like, I don't think I'm ready to talk about this because I actually yep. don't know what's going on. Mm. So I can't give you guys any answers. So I remember kind of burying it, but only letting it come out to certain people. Yeah. But yeah. majority of my, I think that was actually a blessing in disguise because it helped me grow into myself, but secretly, if that makes sense. Yep. Like yeah. I was like, okay, this is who I am because this is what I'm going to do to kind of combat that. Yeah. And I realized at that point, like I was a really quiet, studious girl going into high school. But yeah. year nine, when I got more comfortable with the notion of, okay, you are attracted to women. I remember going, okay, well, this is who I am. I actually don't like science. 
I like the arts yeah. and it kind yeah. of put me on a path to where I wanted to go. Yeah. But um, I didn't actually officially come out or anything, even though a few people in my circle knew, okay, Ginny is attracted to women. Did that yeah. make it easier having those couple of people there? Absolutely. Though, yeah. Like my best friend, um, Anton, she, she's still, like I said, still my best friend today. It was good to actually have someone to talk to about mm-hmm. it because, you know, at school, if I were to say, yo, I have a crush on Angelina Jolie, people will look at you weird, you yeah. know, but if I said Jonathan Taylor Thomas or Leonardo DiCaprio at the time, yeah. they'd be like, oh yeah. You know, and um, I remember when I left high school, I was like, okay, I'm going to come out, put like a foot outside of the closet and come out as bisexual, yep. which I was nowhere near bisexual, not even <laughs> on the radar. I'm a gold star, by the way, so I haven't gone anywhere near a penis. A gold star. <laughs> we, we call them um, thoroughbreds <laughs> in our circle. I'm a thoroughbred. I'm a mongrel. You're sorry. a mongrel. <laughs> You're a mongrel. Well, Go you and I have something Go in common. Go <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah, so when I went to uni, that's when I started going out clubbing. Obviously, I was of yep. legal age. And then, you know, when I had my first experience with a girl, I'm like, okay, Ginny's other 40s out of the closet now. I'm yeah. a raging lesbian. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so since then, um, yeah, that's, that's what's kind of got me, I guess, a little bit more out. And when I came to Joy as well during that time, it was actually really good to be in a class full of LGBT mm, students. Absolutely. So when I said, yo, how hot is Angelina Jolly? They're like, yeah. And I was like, oh, great. I actually feel like you know, I belong, belong. to something. Yeah. And I think that's something so beautiful about this place too, because not only do we offer a voice worldwide, yep. but we offer such a, a community here and obviously outside of here as well, which is just a beautiful thing about joy to grow into yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, look, as part of coming out, it really is just, if you if you are struggling in any way, shape or form, it's just finding people that are the same, exactly. that feel the same as you, that you can have conversations yep. with. And I think... God, back in my day, I was lucky enough to stumble across a pack of old retail queens. That's literally where (laughs) it was like, wow, this is what this is. Because you kind of feel like when you don't find something that that mirrors you or that you don't belong to, you kind of feel like there's something wrong with you. Absolutely. And I think that's where I think the issue is a lot outside of our community and especially in rural areas because you're like, okay, I have no connection to who I am. And if you don't find that connection, it can lead you down so many damaging roads. Absolutely. And I think that's the beauty of the internet now. So for for young people that are struggling, there's so much out there yeah information wise just to sort of stop them feeling alone because i think that's probably the hardest part sometimes yeah yeah absolutely um and tonight we're lucky enough to have Ginny from wednesday morning rising up absolutely with um, the fabulous adam now she's one of the few joy women we've managed to actually get on the show we were saying while that ad break was on that joy women sometimes are a little bit like unicorns they're just so rare vaginas some... are very few around here can i say vaginas at this time of course you can. You can pretty much say anything at this time. <laughs> There's the two words that you're not allowed to say. And Tony the... Abbott. <laughs> and another word that means vagina too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is kind of the same thing as Tony oh, Abbott sometimes. <laughs> some, <laughs> of the, some of those young liberals are going to be hating my guts <laughs> in the morning. You've been listening to A Little Pot of Joy on Joy 94.9 with Alice and Andrea. And it's been a really fun evening. Hasn't um, it? And yeah, there's definitely some amazing content on Joy, isn't there? And the diversity, as we've just proved, is pretty amazing. It is amazing. But how was that song, I Was Only 19, by Lancer's band? Mm, A stunning version of the song, really fantastic. I'd never heard it before until the other day. I was listening to Joy on my way into the station, and there it was. And it was just so full of feeling. Mm. And how have you enjoyed your first day on air? It's been fantastic. Thanks again for having me, Andrea. You're more than welcome. And you do an absolutely fantastic job on the front desk there. I don't know where Joy would be without people like you. So any ideas about when you're going? to start your own program? Uh, (laughs) 
Well, we might put that on hold for the moment, but we'll see how it goes. Well, it's been an absolutely wonderful evening and thank you so much for joining us and thank you, Alice. Thanks again, Andrea. You've been listening to A Little Pot of Joy, the podcast program. See joy.org.au and click on our podcast link to subscribe to your favourite podcasts free. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.